You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Berberich. We're back with another edition of the Masters of Brand Masters series, recorded on site at the ANA Brand Masters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida. In this series, we talk to some of the brightest and most influential marketers in the industry about the state and future of brand. My guest today oversees an absolutely massive organization and one of the best defined brands on the planet. Todd Kaplan, CMO of Pepsi, joined the podcast to discuss his culture-first approach to brand building and why the Pepsi brand is able to innovate so consistently. He also shared what he thinks is the next big disruptor to our industry. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in sunny Bonita Springs, Florida at the ANA Brand Masters Conference. I have the pleasure of talking to Todd Kaplan, CMO of Pepsi. Todd, thank you so much for stopping by the pod. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So glad to have you. Let's set a little bit of a level with our listenership. Tell us about yourself and how your journey led you to becoming CMO of Pepsi. Sure, that's a, that's a big question right there. Um, so I, I grew up in Southern California, did my undergrad out uh, in Chicago at Northwestern where I froze my butt off and my background's actually <laughs> in sports marketing. So I had to go back out to California where I worked in with Visa International as a in-house agency for them on their sports sponsorship stuff. After that, for a while, I came out east to business school at Yale. And then that's where I found PepsiCo as uh, Indra Nui was speaking on campus at the time. And I went up afterwards and said, hey, do you guys recruit for marketing? And she didn't know. She turned to somebody who was with her and they uh, decided to uh, Come recruit, and I got an internship, and I've I've actually been at PepsiCo ever since, which is kind of a crazy thought. Sixteen years later, and so at PepsiCo, you know, there's a number of different roles and and things that everybody uh, does, and they're very good at rotating and keeping talent into new things. So I've done everything from Mountain Dew marketing to sports marketing to energy or energy business, food service, innovation. I've started uh, brands on our water portfolio that I've led, Bubbly and Life Water and things like that. And then most recently, uh, leading our, our Pepsi brand for the last five years, which has been uh, been awesome. So it's been a really fun ride and been a whole bunch of fun stuff along the way. So, uh, yeah. That's, that is incredible. See, I knew that you began at Pepsi as, well, I, I think, an associate manager or yeah, coordinator like or something intern, like that. You started the intern program. I, I didn't realize that you came, yeah. you were talking about it before you graduated from Yale. That's yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I'd love to talk about that for sure. a little bit. I mean, there's homegrown CMOs and then there's you. I mean, that <laughs> really, you actually got to see every level of the organization as you made your way up. To what do you attribute your staying power? And what about PepsiCo made you want to stay with this company for so long? Yeah, it's, um, I'll be clear, it wasn't like the design or the plan, like, oh, I want to stay here. But it's um, big, big props to PepsiCo on this is they, they do such a good job around talent development and retaining and growing top talent. We have this uh, rotational program where you can try new and different critical experiences. Oh, and it's cool. such a big company, obviously, with so many amazing brands, amazing functional experiences in the marketing mix you can get that um, every one and a half to two and a half years, I feel like I'm getting a new job and starting something. I mean, this is actually the longest job I've been on on the Pepsi team, uh, leading the Pepsi team, which has been great. But it's, um, 
you know, I've, like I said, tried all sorts of different areas of the marketing mix, tried new things. And um, that's one of the things that's been great. And what's been great with that is bringing the mindset that I have of kind of this like entrepreneurial mindset I bring to a lot of the work. Pepsi really embraces a lot of that and trying big new things and having these brands that are connected with culture. And it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and we've had a lot of success over the years. That's really amazing. And it now kind of makes sense as you're moving around to different experiences, yes, you're with one company for 16 years, but just as you just put it, being CMO of Pepsi is your longest tenure inside the company you've been right. with for 16 years. Right. That's a, that sounds like a pretty winning formula for, for talent development. Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's one of those things, too, that um, you know, PepsiCo is known as almost one of these leadership academies, I think, from uh, both marketing and just overall leadership. A lot of the Fortune 50 CMOs and CEOs that are out there today all have had stops at PepsiCo and they're learning and development. And it's just, a, it's a great place with really great people. That's awesome. That's super, super awesome. Yeah. So you were coming fresh off the stage of ANA Brand Masters, where you were talking about how Pepsi has embraced a culture first mindset to brand building and marketing in general. Could you kind of unpack that for our listeners? Yeah, there's, there's a lot there, but I'd say um, it really starts with this concept that I think a lot of the industry and how we think about marketing that I, I worry that as an industry, we might be asleep at the wheel on a couple things. And by that, I mean the conventional way that brands do marketing is this kind of very linear process where a brand um, has a business problem or objective that they need to go after. They, um, they come up with a strategy, they brief an agency to build a creative idea, and then they put that idea into paid media placements to find where their, where their consumer is and they send it in front of their consumer. Almost like this idea of throwing darts or a very, you know, I was using the example of like, a, I don't know if you know the Nintendo game Duck Hunt, where you're oh, just like, yeah. oh, there they are. And you got oh, the, my goodness. Yeah. you know, the little, um, you've got to find your consumers. And while that may have been fine and well in a much more linear kind of uh, environment where TV was king and all this kind of stuff, the way the world works now with context mattering so much where mm -hmm. anybody can look up a brand at any time on their phone, where, the, where they're receiving the message, how the social environment is changing around them, whether it's cultural context of, of different things happening, those messages might be going through, but they don't necessarily mean that they're landing mm -hmm. and resonating with the consumers. And so well kind of in this like matrix-esque kind of way was talking about what if we actually took off the blinders, what would we see? And I talked about this concept of there's a whole world of opportunities to connect with consumers beyond paid media, earned media, social media, how you can engage and, and think more expansively about getting into these conversations where consumers spend actual time is one thing. How creative, how creative doesn't have to just be an ad or an ad unit that you place in paid media. You can be the content itself, creating content, um, creating new experiences and ways for consumers to engage with your brands. And so just thinking a little bit more horizontally around how people think about marketing and uh, how you can connect with culture when you do that right, how you can really, you know, authentically become a part of culture and not just someone who's running ads and stuff like that. And so it was a, it was a really fun discussion we had and uh, yeah. That's fantastic. And I think that you, you touched on something there that all of the things that can cause marketer stress or that could be scary out there are actually huge opportunities to form relationships in a way you, you were never even possible in, totally. in the past. 100%. Uh, so very well said. And speaking of culture, you know, Pepsi is a consistent innovator. And that's a, that the consistent 
is a very important word. You can, you know, almost any brand can put out a PR-worthy activation and in six months, yeah. is, is anything still there? So what is it about the inner workings of Pepsi? I know talent development is really locked in. What other cultural elements allow for innovation at such a consistent clip? Yeah, I think there's a few things. And um, you know, part of it is we, we do a lot in-house in terms of how we partner with our agencies, with our people, you know, we like to call them co-conspirators and how we, uh, how we work together to do a lot of stuff. But I'd also say, um, Pepsi as a brand is a brand that's had a has a challenger mindset. You know, I like I told you about this entrepreneurial nature is um, I like this concept of being an intrapreneur, mm -hmm. which even though we're at a very, very big company that has a lot of layers, I like to ask our team to think big while acting small. And so this concept of being a little scrappy and a little bit, you know, within the big company of how we can do that. And so as we run into barriers, whether it's with our legal team or supply chain or R&D or things, finance, as we're building projects, I like to say this idea of taking no as a request for more information and using that no mm -hmm. as an opportunity to hone and refine the idea and see if there's a way to kind of make it work and, and all that because it's very hard in a big company sometimes to do stuff that goes against the grain or against the norm uh, because it's so layered and there's so much at stake. And a lot of times, yeah, we can't do everything, but we instill that mindset and this idea of connecting with culture and and then once you kind of get a few of these hits going, then it turns into a bit of a flywheel and everyone starts vibing and, and, and it kind of works well from there. That's awesome. I love no as a request for more information because it just changes the entire yeah. positioning of the conversation. Like that's almost encouragement now. It's like, go make this undeniable, you know? I So I just love that and just the, the entire thing that you laid out there. Oh, good, thank you. Of course. But you did touch on something, Pepsi is a massive brand, yeah. absolutely massive, massive brand. And I'm sure it's impossible for you personally to stay on top of everything. That's, I don't think that's the most controversial uh, nope. thing I'm gonna say today. <laughs> um, but so what are your top priorities as CMO? And what do you more, what are you more inclined to trust more fully to your teams? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think you articulated it well that I don't think a lot of people realize how big when we say you're, you're running a big brand, it's big, it's the name on the door and we, you know, our, our frontline sales people, our truck drivers, our mm -hmm. everybody feels that this is their brand, right? And so, you know, I like to say when, when the brand does something great, you're the first one to get the pat on the back and when the brand does something bad, you're, you get emails from everyone all throughout the organization, man, like, what are we doing, you know? Um, and so, it's, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And so it's one of those things that I, I like to say, everyone on the team is empowered to do their role within the brand and, and do what we need to do. I would say the things where I'll get the most involved is usually earlier in the process. So kind of um, making sure we're chasing the right ideas. We have this thing I call um, round zero, uh, where we work with our agencies and our team to kind of identify the core essence of the idea before we even start talking anything about the execution of the idea. And it really helps us almost green light the right ones that we know there's a real tension, there's a real concept there and, and increases our hit rate. And so um, and then as they get into the details of how we planned it out, then they'll kind of go and then I'll usually see some stuff as we get into it and refine and, and tweak. Obviously the bigger things have cost or scale or visibility, I'll be more involved in than others, but it's, it really goes across the board, you know, we have so many people, even just beyond our team, I like to say that everybody in our, in our company is on the Pepsi brand team on some, some moments, right? You know, um, our frontline salespeople have a point of view of stuff or our local markets gonna do some creative that 
you know, is very locally relevant and, and good for them. And they, and they should do that. And we're not going to get involved in that kind of stuff. So it really goes across the board when you have a brand that has this kind of scale and this kind of touch point. The Certified ANA Marketing Professional, or CAMP, program is a rigorous 35-hour online certification program developed specifically with the ANA marketer in mind. Covering the entire marketing process from brand strategy and activation to marketing implementation across digital and analytic platforms, CAMP represents the full spectrum of the marketing universe. To begin your certification, go to ANA.net slash CAMP Future. That's very cool. That's very cool. I forget who said it, but at an ANA conference, somebody once said that your brand is every single touch point you have with your consumer yeah. across the board end to end. And I think that that mindset is obviously alive and well at Pepsi. It is. It is. And it's, and it's funny. And going back to sitting in this seat, the things that uh, happen a lot of times is I'll say, you know, one of the things we always talk about is it might not be your fault, but it's your problem. You know, and Ooh, when, you're, that. when you're here, you gotta, you know, and so there's gonna be things that pop up from time to time. You have something going on with supply chain or a local market has this going on or that, or, um, you know, something on social media. And so you just gotta um, always stay connected. It's a really big role to how you connect through the organization with other stakeholders, leaders, things like that as well. That's awesome. And I just wanna say like, a lot of times an axiom can be like, oh, that's that's nice. But like the two things you brought up are action oriented. Yeah. And I love that. I really do. It, it actually lends some help. Typically, you know, a lot of axioms are just reinforcing something we all know, but said yeah. in a very well put way. But those two things that knows a request for information and that what is it? It's not your it might not be your fault, but it's your problem. I think both of those are actually really great guidelines to help people problem solve. That's and great. It's what no. we're all doing at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So this podcast that we are chatting on is called the Marketing Futures Podcast. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to take just a, a look into the next 12 months. In your opinion, what do you think the biggest marketing disruptor is going to be uh, in the next 12 months? I mean, there are so many things that are changing yeah. every single day, new technologies, new this, new that, you know. Right now, everyone's talking about AI. Before, they were talking about Web three and the metaverse. Now, and there's it's all it's all right and it's all real and it's all going to be happening. I think um, as you go near into the next twelve months, I think some more of the technological advances around um, image recognition and things like that. You think of could this be the death of the QR code once actually phones and smartphones and things that are able to recognize objects beyond codes and things of that sort, I think will help the connectivity piece of it. But I'd say um, I'm a big believer in, in Web3 and where a lot of that is going. I think in the next 12 months is probably not, you know, it's gonna be a longer lead for, it to, for a lot of that to fully realize. But I think the most near-term thing is really gonna be around the, uh, the role that the creator economy uh, really plays. Right now, I mean, creators aren't a new thing. They, you know, when YouTube was created and Vine back in the day and all these other things. and you know, they've been around doing their thing. But what's so unique right now is that the sheer scale and connectivity back to the technology of my kids watch YouTube on my living room TV, like mm -hmm. as if it's a show. And yep. they just literally scroll the algorithm to see what to watch next and watch next and watch next. And they have these fans where 
they think these people are more famous than, you know, the people in Hollywood and movie theaters, right? Yes. And, and the creators are, are so interesting because the model they've built is they're the creative agency, the production house, the talent, and the distribution network all in one. And there's many reasons why brands are going to want to create and connect with them and partner with them. But I feel that a lot of times brands approach things the wrong way and say, oh, I just want the scale or, oh, I just want their audience or, oh, I just want, you know, them as a celebrity because they're famous. And you need to really embrace all those things in one if you're going to partner with them and let them kind of take the lead and almost take a back seat sometimes uh, with how you want to do that. But um, I think how these creators will really connect with brands and, and really continue to forge deeper partnerships, I think is going to really play out over the next 12 months, even more so than it is right now. I think that's a pretty good bet right there. And I think that you put on something very important that the sooner you start thinking of these creators as like a business partnership, a partner, you know what I mean? And when you're partnering with a business, the owners of that business know their business better than you. 100%. And I think that's something that's kind of in the disconnect. If you want a movie star to hawk your product, that's fine. Right. There's a movie star and they are, yeah. they'll handle the actor and thing. But these creators, you said they're an end-to-end -end content creation company. Correct. Even if it's one person who doesn't realize that. Correct. That's right. And so you got to treat them differently. Yeah. Very well said. Very yeah. well said. Thank you. So the next three questions we ask to all of our guests. <laughs> okay. Uh, first one is open by design. Todd, what are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? I mean, I am all for it. <laughs> I mean, like, like everybody should be. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's critically important um, right now. And I think specifically, I know in the marketing community, it gets a lot of talk uh, around what we're doing around it and whatnot. And I think it's, um, it's critical to show representation across all genders, creeds, and everything within the creative, uh, within the employee base, making sure... You have the right leadership. And then as well as I'd say in a lot of local communities, making sure we're there really showing up consistently every day as a brand and as a company for these underserved communities. You know, we do a lot at PepsiCo. We have this thing called the racial equality journey uh, that we're on in terms of uh, we have programs like uh, Dig In to support black owned restaurants, uh, programs supporting, you know, Hispanic owned restaurants, things of that sort, all the way to, you know, our employee hiring practices and how we... Uh, you know, partner with where we spend our media money and things of that sort. So it's really fully integrated how we approach a lot of these initiatives at PepsiCo. But um, I think the, the key thing is just people should think about DE&I not as something you need to do now because you're being a good corporate citizen. You should be doing it because it actually will make the work better. Yes. Um, having diverse thoughts and opinions and people from different backgrounds and ways of thinking and always makes creativity better, having uh, different viewpoints and stuff. And so... We really try to build diverse teams with, with differentiated thinking and uh, to really, you know, fuel the work as well. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm glad you added that kind of like, this is business related. This is a serious business related topic. You cannot vet an innovative idea in an echo chamber. Like it's just not possible to do. Uh, and I love the community aspect of it, reaching out to Latino and black owned businesses and supporting them. Yes, because it has to be connected to the society we're in. You cannot be inside totally. your office and now now we're going to present this to Correct. you. So the connective tissue with the actual communities that you're trying to reach and resonate with, um, I think I just love that. So yeah, thank awesome. you. All right. 
Todd, you've been hitting home runs since we began oh, this. I don't know about that. Okay. But now we're getting to the now we're getting to the tough questions. Oh geez. So let's see. Let's see how we do here. Todd Kaplan. Yes. CMO of Pepsi. Yeah. What's your favorite album of all oh, time? Oh my goodness. And why? Well, we uh, you know, we do a lot of music, so that's a pretty loaded question. But I'd say, um, listen, this is this is pretty simple for me. I think uh, I grew up in Southern California and I grew up on West Coast hip hop. I have to say Dr. Dre, The Chronic, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Styles, that, that, that like couple years zone right there is like where, that's where it's at for me. Um, That's like my center of gravity. That just takes me back to a place where you just crank it up. You got all the tunes and it, um, you know, and it's funny kind of even saying that out loud now and now putting on my, my work hat of, uh, you know, bringing all those folks together when we did the Pepsi Bowl. That was my last Pepsi Bowl halftime show was just like a very special personal life moment for me because that was literally like that halftime show was my playlist (laughs) basically like wrote. So I'd say, um, you know, that's, that's, I'd say my favorite albums. I mean, I obviously there's a ton, you know, and I could get into like the Beatles and Sgt. Pepper and get more thoughtful. But like that, I just think is just brilliance and represents an era and the real emergence of West Coast hip hop that really mm-hmm. has um, hit home with me and really helped form me a lot of my formative years. And uh, I continue to be a big uh, West Coast and, and hip hop fan uh, today. I love it. I love it. That is an all time answer. Uh, very. I was literally just talking to somebody about this uh, at the reception last night. If you haven't seen The Defiant Ones, that's about Dre and Jimmy Iovine. I've heard it's amazing. I've watched it it at least four times. Uh, It's just, well, I'm a musician myself. Okay. Um, And yeah, just those are two two of my favorite albums of all time. So you get all the props from this podcast. (laughs) Another one out of the park. Um, So let's bring it up to the current day. Uh, is there something you're listening to now, whether it's an artist, a song, a podcast, maybe a great book? What's exciting you nowadays? Yeah, I think it's a, a range of things. I got to be honest. I don't have a ton of time to listen to podcasts. I'm That's not shocking. A, well, no, but, but it's also one of those things like even just like I don't have a long commute. I don't like what are the oh, things gosh. that people would normally do these things? Um, I'd say, you know, I'd probably answer more around shows I would be watching and it. things like that. I do a lot of um, binging and you know, Netflix and all the other platforms. But I'd say um, I'm really liking a lot of stuff that Apple Plus has going on right now. I've been watching a lot of, uh, obviously, Ted Lasso has been going on and is great. Um, This new show, uh, Shrinking, I don't know if you know this one, with Jason Segel and Harrison Ford, um, is actually very, very good and clever on Apple Plus. Check it out uh, if you want. I've been enjoying that. But, um, yeah, and then I also just watch a lot of... um, sports documentaries and stuff like that with my my kids are now at a fun age where they're into a lot of the same sports and i'm a big lakers fan and so we've been watching a lot of these like magic versus bird and how a lot of these things come out the lakers stuff so it's uh yeah that's that's usually what i've been watching that's super cool that's super cool todd before we let you get back out into this warm florida sun (laughs) if people want to Obviously, I think people know how to keep up with Pepsi, yep. but if people want to keep up with you and what you're doing, and maybe even do want to kind of dive down deeper from just the the big activation yeah. that Pepsi's doing, how do we keep in touch with you? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple ways. I I post pretty regularly on LinkedIn, so you could probably check out my, my LinkedIn, and, and there's usually I'll tell you kind of how I'm thinking about things or share you the latest work that our team's doing on Pepsi. Uh, and then similarly on Twitter, I think it's at 
T underscore K-A-P uh, is my uh, Twitter handle and, and trying to kind of do stuff there as well. But uh, yeah, happy to connect. Fantastic. Is TCAP your like preset rap name? If TCAP it ever goes is, this TCAP's way? my nickname. Everyone at work calls me TCAP. That's a dope Friends nickname. call me TCAP. Uh, it's kind of, I don't remember when I got the TCAP nickname, but uh, TCAP. Yeah, it's not, it's not my rap name, though. It's, just, it's, just, it's my nickname. All TCAP. right, for now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Todd, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Thank you so, so much for being a guest of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next week when we speak to Crayola's Victoria Lozano about the evolution of an iconic brand. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ANA.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ANA.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.